0: Now please turn with me to uh, Revelation uh, uh, the, the book of Revelation Chapter 2 And we are uh, in the section of the uh, the, the, the letters to the, to the seven churches uh, We are addressing uh, church number 3 and church number 4 Pergamos and Thyatira tonight and so we'll uh, read them uh, both uh, just now uh, Revelation chapter 2 uh, beginning at verse 12 and to the angel uh, of the church in Pergamos write these things says he that which hath the sharp two, uh, sharp sword with two edges I know thy works and where thou dwellest even where Satan's seat is and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith uh, even in those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which think I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he which receiveth it. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and love, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with her, uh, with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins uh, or the minds and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say and Unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall be broken to pieces, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star, he that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Uh, We are uh, making our way through these churches and uh, these letters. And uh, we see as we look through them some similarities. And we see some contrasts. And we're going to have a look at them. Uh, this evening. Uh, Wiersbe when he uh, writes of these uh, churches he puts across uh, the, the head of these two churches. The first one in Pergamos he writes it was a compromising church. Compromising. And uh, the second Thyatira he writes that it is a corrupted church. Compromising and corruption. And, uh, and we'll see that. We'll see that, that these churches uh, both compromised and uh, they, they were corrupted uh, by false teaching. Not each church, uh, not every church has something against them uh, and we thought of that uh, as we looked at, at Smyrna um, uh, that there wasn't anything that could be said uh, bad about them. Uh, but we see here in Pergamos and in Thyatira that there is something that they are commended for and there is something that they are um Criticised for, uh, and as Kevin, I think, um, uh, brought before us, uh, there is um, a structure to each of these letters, which is helpful to remember. Uh, each of these letters go through uh, the same points, uh, excluding those two uh, letters which which don't have a criticism, and therefore don't have um, a, a, you know, a, a you know a call to to to, to repent. Um, But we have the the beginning of the letters, the character of Christ, we have a commendation, we have a criticism, uh, we have a counsel, we have a call to attention, and we have a compensation, not my C's. I think maybe Kevin didn't quite have the same ones, but that's, that's allowed. Um, but either way, how we split it doesn't really matter too much. Weirsby, if you want to know, he splits into three. Alliterated as well, though, which is, is, uh, which is, which is what he normally does. Um, but we, we see a structure to these, and so it's helpful just to remind ourselves as we go through, they follow the same structure, and so we're able to pick out things from each of them and see similarities and see some contrasts. So Pergamos and Thyatira, the compromising church, uh, first of all, Pergamos. Now we don't know much about Pergamos. Pergamos um, is, is really only mentioned here and, and in chapter one, when uh, when, when there is the list of who the, the letters were sent to, and so we don't know too much about it from from our Bibles. Um, but we will we, we we understand a little bit from history, and we'll think about that as we as we go through uh, the letter. Um, but we have here. Pergamos, and and it says there in verse twelve, uh, these things saith he which has the sharp sword with two edges, uh, and and so we have here uh, Christ, the, the character of Christ brought out in the in the first kind of um, phrase phrases of the of each of the letters, and we have here speaking of Christ, uh, he which has the sharp sword with two edges, the two edged sword, and and we, we remember maybe in verse sixteen of chapter one. It says there, doesn't it? Uh, out of the mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. Okay, and so we'll think about what that really means, in particular, to Pergamos. but we have here at the out, at the outset, the character of Christ, uh, the one who has in his mouth a sword with uh, a two-sided, two-edged sword, and it's sharp. Okay, but we'll go on and we'll think about the commendation. The the, the church in Pergamos were uh, were um, were were commended uh, for holding fast uh, as they uh, uh, in a very difficult situation. In a very difficult situation, they were not living uh, the the life of of a church, you know, in, in in a Bible belt and and where where everyone was a believer, or every other person was a believer. But they were living in a place that was very difficult. See in verse thirteen, uh, even uh, so much so that there was this man Antipas. Uh, who was a faithful martyr who was slain among you, slain among you? he was one of their own, and he was he was martyred and so you can imagine the the, the, the sort of um, environment that this church uh, was in uh, Pergamos they say um, it, it was a place uh, where um, where there was a lot of corruption, but there was a lot of corruption someone Uh, uh, said um, that where Ephesus and Smyrna were centres of commerce Pergamos was the capital of corruption, it was renowned for its learning, for its science for its medicine Um, it supposedly had a a library with with over 200,000 volumes uh, second uh, only to um, the the great library at um, Alexandria Uh, and so it was a great place of learning uh, a great place of wisdom uh, but it was also a place of paganism. Uh, there were temples, there were universities, uh, there were palaces, uh, all to, to pagan gods. Uh, and there was temples set up to, to, to Jupiter and to Venus and, and others. And, and here in Pergamos, they say, was the first place that the, the emperor was first worshipped as, as a god. Uh, and so we, we, we start to understand the, the environment that this church is in the culture where they are, Uh, and so much so, uh, as we think about these things, uh, we understand why Christ says in the letter that it was where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwells. And so this was a difficult uh, environment to be in. And yet, and yet, Pergamos were commended, they were commended, because even in a place like this, this church Held fast. Thou holdest fast my name and has not denied my faith. Held fast to my name, not denied the faith. Uh, and they had they they were commended for this because they were in a difficult situation. Uh, they had one of their own who had been martyred. You know, and, and, and us in, in in our culture here, you know, it's very difficult. We hear of you know stories and we, we hear of people who, who suffer this even today. And it's very difficult to really appreciate, I think, for myself at least, uh, what it must be like. Uh, And yet these people were commended. Uh, These saints were commended because they held fast. And they um, did not deny their faith. And holding fast is going to be something which marks this church. And is going to be called uh, upon the church in Thyatira to hold fast. Fast, you know. Maybe we think we, we're not as bad as this. You know, we, we, our environment isn't quite like this. Uh, but you know, maybe we have difficult. Um, you know, we, we, we have difficulties, and we have those who persecute us, and, and and maybe not quite like this, but but still, the persecution feels uh, difficult when we face it. Uh, and yeah, we should take the example of those from this church. To hold fast, to hold fast to the faith, to hold fast to to Christ, to to stand fast in difficult a difficult situation, and so and so they were commended for this. But yet there was a criticism of this church. Verse fourteen and fifteen speaks about this. There was uh, it says there, but I have a few things against thee because there is them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. And also, or in like manner, them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Balaam. Now Balaam, he was an interesting character. Uh, he was a very interesting character. Maybe you'll remember him even from Sunday school days uh, in Numbers 22 to 25 don't need to turn to it, but Numbers 22-25 we have uh, Balaam uh, is, 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 is mentioned, is spoken about his story, is uh, quite detailed, uh, this this story of this prophet and uh, he was that prophet who was hired by uh, Balak, um, the, the king of the, the Moabites and he was hired to, to, to prophesy or to curse the nation of Israel, and, and the reason why we might remember Balaam over others um, is because, of course, as he uh, went, uh, as he made his, his journey on the donkey, we remember the donkey um, sees the angel of the Lord in front of him and, and doesn't go on. Uh, there is the angel of the Lord standing there with the, the sword drawn. And the donkey sees this and, and tries to kind of bolt and... And, and 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 Balaam you know smites him and, and strikes him and, and then this happens again and and then it happens again and and we remember that the donkey speaks to Balaam and I think we have some irony, of course, as we think about that story of how you know Balaam the prophet, and yet he wasn't able to see the angel of the Lord, and this donkey is um, is speaking to him and uh, the you know this common animal. And so, um, and and so, we maybe remember the, the story of Balaam. Uh, Balaam's story is interesting because uh, it is an example of where it's a wee bit hard, I would say, to to understand motives in in the Old Testament. You know, sometimes when we read stories in the Old Testament, uh, you know, unless the narrator really puts into the text um, something explicit, sometimes it can be difficult to really understand. What is going on? You know the, the 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 you know the motives behind some of these things that happen, and and so the New Testament sheds light on some of these things for Balaam, and, and so it's very helpful uh, as we read the story in Numbers to consider what the New Testament says about him, to consider what actually takes place. And so in, in Numbers 25, I'm just going to read three verses, but you don't, you don't need to turn to it. But it says there, it's, it says quite factually, in Israel abode, this is after kind of this interaction with Balaam. And, and he's looking out over the nation of Israel and, and, and he's called to curse them, but he blesses the nation and all this. He can only say what, what God uh, has given, what the Lord has given him to say. And then it says in, ver, in chapter 25, in Israel abode in Shittim and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto uh, Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And so we kind of think, what's that got to do with with Balaam? But as we turn to the uh, New Testament, we, we can kind of understand what this where Balaam uh, comes into this, you know that the the the, the people had mingled themselves with the, the Moabites, uh, they had married, uh, and it had caused them to uh, this, this you know, unequal yoke had caused them to uh, to to then get into idol worship, and and and, and the Lord uh, his anger is is kindled. And he sends this plague out upon the people and uh, it is only stopped, uh, you might remember, when Phineas Aaron's uh, grandson uh, takes the spear and drives it through this Israel and kind of shows this Israelite uh, and shows that that, his yearning for justice uh, and for following God's law seems to to kind of um, hold back any more of the plague. But 24,000 people uh, died. 24,000 people died because of the sin that Israel entered into, marrying the Moabites and, and worshipping false gods. And then when we come to the New Testament then, uh, we see firstly in Second in Peter turn to this if you like, Second Peter chapter two, it's just a few pages back. Second Peter chapter two, verse fifteen, it says there, uh, speaking of false prophets, it says of these false prophets in that, that Peter is writing about uh, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosar, uh, who loved the wages of unrighteousness and so these people they have forsaken the right way, they have gone astray, they have followed Balaam and it says of him he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Balaam loved the things. That were not of God, Balaam loved what he could get from the things that that sin could bring him, the enjoyment that sin could bring, the the recognition that that sin could could bring, and so here we see I think that Balaam is marked by the works of the flesh, not by the fruit of the spirit, not by what what following christ will will, 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 will gain you, but he is marked by by the works of of the flesh, and then a few pages over in Jude uh, Balaam is mentioned again in Jude verse 11 and it says there again of false teachers, woe unto them verse 11 of Jude woe unto them for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor they have ran greedily after the error of Balaam Reward. And so we see here, now, not the way of Balaam, but the error of Balaam. And, and this has to do with the fact that he is interested in in, in what he could gain. Uh, so, so wealth, you know, he was interested in, in reward. And and we see that in the story in, in, in Numbers. He was interested in reward. And then finally we have in our passage this evening, the doctrine of Balaam. In verse 14 of chapter 2 of Revelation the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication, and so this sheds a lot of light on our chapter in chapter twenty five of numbers because we see here that Balaam was instrumental in the the, the children of Israel uh, being um, having this stumbling block put before them that they, that they would marry into these uh, Moabites uh, Moabitess women and uh, that they would uh, eat things sacrificed unto idols participate in all of that and commit fornication and so we have here then uh, not just um, the works of the flesh that Balaam is, is associated with or, or wealth uh, but now we have the worship of false gods and so it is this type of People, this type of doctrine, rather, that that the people here in in Pergamos, the believers there, had gotten caught up with. They had gotten caught up with uh, doing things for for the love of 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 wealth, uh, doing things for gain, uh, for worldly gain, for glory unto themselves, and doing things that um, were that brought on, uh, that led to. Uh, sacrificing to idols, uh, and eating things sacrificed to idols, and committing fornication. And so so they had been led astray by this teaching. You know, Balaam, he, he couldn't curse God's people, if you remember the story. Balaam couldn't curse God's people. And so instead, what we see here is he corrupted them. He corrupted them. He wasn't able to say anything against them, but he was able to corrupt them. You know, I just thought of myself, and I, I thought about Balaam, and I, I was challenged. You know, I, I questioned whether what I do, and maybe we can question this for ourselves. You know, what do I do? Is it when when I do things, is it for God's glory, or is it for my own? Yeah, because Balaam, he was interested in in reward. He was interested for reward for himself. You know, do do I do I seek to 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 um, store treasure in heaven, or do I seek to? Um, Build wealth down here. Uh, am I marked by the fruit of the spirit? Am I marked by, uh, by by seeking to to gain what God would have for me? That is to become more Christ-like and to have a reward uh, in in Him. Or am I interested in the works of the flesh and the things which this world has to offer? The enjoyment, the 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 rewards of uh, unrighteousness and so Balaam he stands as a warning to us that we might have our priorities right Balaam was a prophet uh, and yet he he uh, was uh, a very ungodly prophet and, um, a, 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 and, and and should have known better uh, and yet he uh, put himself first he was a man that was marked by fleshly things a man marked by what he could get now then we move on to the second second thing that that Christ says is he has against the church. There is those that that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now this is a an interesting one. It's a difficult one. There is um, words in here um, which can be translated um, in like manner, and so there is uh, maybe that this this teaching was very similar to the teaching of Balaam. But really, we don't have very much uh, understanding of of what. This is um, and uh, is mentioned earlier uh, in Ephesus, uh, the letter to to, to Ephesus, uh, but other than that, really we don't know what it means. The word means to conquer or uh, the destruction of people, and so some have suggested, uh, and I think this maybe has some merit to it, uh, that, that that there was this there was this doctrine, this teaching that that separated the the the, the people who had an office uh, and those who were lay people as it were who, who didn't have an office, uh, not ordained uh, 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 and, and there was this separation uh, and, and those who were in a position of power uh, were in some way conquering uh, uh, or, 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 or behaving in a manner uh, that was uh, to the destruction of the rest of the assembly. And I, I think that maybe has a little bit of, of legs to it, because in, in Jude, in that verse that we read, uh, associated with the error of Balaam, uh, there is those who perished in the gainsaying of, Kor, uh, of Korah. And, and you remember the sin of Korah in Numbers 16, when there was a rebellion against Moses, and a rebellion against God's leader. There was a rebellion against God's order of things, and, and, so, and there was a great... Um, di- um, uh, death, judgment came on those people, and, and here uh, we have again in Jude, uh, in, Jude in the letter uh, the Jude writes. Uh, associated with Balaam is this idea of uh, those who 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 were who were speaking against God's order, and God had prescribed uh, in Numbers. Uh, Sixteen, and so here maybe then that kind of adds to the argument that, that this word, this kind of teaching of the Nicolaitans, really means that the conquering or the destruction of people in these two, so I, 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 these two kind of groups, and so I think maybe that has some, some, some something to to, to go with there, but but the que- but really. What we see here is uh, that uh, there are these doctrines, uh, and and in Nicolaitans, interestingly, as we look at the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, we remember back in chapter 2 when this is mentioned, in verse 6, it says there, But this thou hast, uh, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Which I also hate, and so there was this teaching that was uh, the, 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 there was deeds, sorry in, in to the Church of Ephesus that now have become doctrine, yeah, there was a way of behaving which now become became a way of of, of doctrine a way of teaching something that was then taught uh, and and uh, I think what we see here is maybe uh, an increasing of the sway that this behavior uh, then uh, had over the, this church in Ephesus it was it was just some deeds, it was the way people were behaving, and to Pergamos it then had become a teaching it had become a doctrine you know and I think we do need to be careful some, sometimes often you know, we hear the the thin edge of the wedge and uh, the, the the slippery slope and, and, all, and this type of thing, uh, and so often it is used incorrectly uh, to kind of discourage any sort of change and, and certainly we wouldn 't want to do that. But it is important to, as we think of this, I think we can see uh, uh, the, the warning to address things uh, when they are in their infancy, to address sin when they are in their infancy. You know, we can look at the history of this country and we can see where laws have been passed that were, sp- you know, for a specific purpose uh, and they were maybe just of a small application and now they have become this big thing. You know, we look at abortion and we see how it crept in. Uh, and maybe creeping in is, is unfair, but, but how it came in under certain restraints and now it is opened up. Or we see euthanasia and we see how things uh, begin with, with one set of application and then they become opened up. And we see how how it then just becomes used, this thing that might be small in some people's eyes, uh, becomes this very large problem. Uh, and so we need to take care, not just in our country, uh, but in our church and in our own lives uh, that we address things when they are in their infancy not allow them to become bigger than they should and to get rid of them uh, while they are still just deeds before they take hold of us and I think that's what had happened here at Pergamos and so this is what was against them but we see that they are told in verse 16 uh, to repent to repent why? or else I come quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You know, there, there was those, uh, Antipas, who had died. He was a faithful martyr. And, you know, we might have thought that in, in, in Pergamos, they might have been uh, concerned about what the Romans could do to them, uh, what the, the, the society could do to them. And yet Christ says that they need to repent. and that Not that they should be worried about what the Roman sword could do. But they should be worried about Christ's sword. Christ's judgment coming in. And Christ warns them. And he says if you don't repent. Then then he will come. And he will come quickly. And he will judge. And he will judge with his two edged. Uh, Double edged. Uh, sharp sword. And so judgment was coming. And so I, I was thinking of the. First of the, of the in, in Matthew chapter 10. When Christ says. And fear not them which kill the body. But are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell and so we need to have our perspective correct and not worry too much about what people can do to us but focus on living faithfully for Christ that we not suffer the punishment that he can bring the judgment rather that he can bring on us that we live faithfully and and if so be As difficult as 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 easy as this is to say, but if so be that the sword come upon us, well we accept that because we are living faithfully for Christ, and that's what these this church is called to do. Christ at the end of this uh, letter says to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone. The manna here speaks of Christ, manna speaks of Christ. The, the one who sustained the nation of Israel through the desert and uh, the manna uh, speaks of, of Christ himself. You remember when jo- in John chapter 6 when, when the Lord is speaking there he says, John 6 uh, verse 48, I am the bread of life, verse 58, this is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So the manna we know speaks of speaks of Christ. And then we have the the, 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 the white stone. And if you want to uh, amuse yourself with lots of different ideas, read some commentaries on the white stone. No one seems to know what this means. Uh, some say it might mean the, the, the fact that when you were acquitted from a legal trial, you got a white stone. Uh, or some say that when you won a, a race, some athletic victory, you you got that white stone as a symbol of your victory, and others say that maybe this is referring to a gift that a host would would give to his guests. Uh, but whatever specifically it means, and I'm sure that those who received this letter did understand what it meant. Whatever it meant means, we know we we see that it, it speaks of a reward, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the, the people that overcome, to those who overcome, they are going to receive manna and they are going to receive a white stone. And it is going to be a reward. <coughs> Both the manna and the stone, they have a sense of mystery about them. They have a sense of mystery because uh, we see here that the manna is hidden. And we see that the stone has a new name written, which no man knows, saves he that saving he that receives it. So, we have hidden manna We have this stone with a name that no one knows except who receives the stone. Excuse me. <coughs> and so, uh, we we have this sense of mystery about these uh, about these rewards. And I think there is a sense of mystery here that we maybe we are not really uh, shouldn't get ourselves too worried about about trying to figure out what all this really means. We think about Christ. And we think about the reward. The reward is Christ. Uh, we, know these, we know this thing. They're going to get manna. it's hidden manna. So there must be an aspect of this which is particular and, and private and, and, and special for the one who receives it. You know, and I think like, when we think about this, we think about the hidden manna, we think about the, the stone. To, to, to us who overcome, yeah, to us and to them, uh, those who, who, who receive the reward, there's going to be something special. Uh, there's going to be some spe- something special which is of Christ. And we're going to enjoy it. And I think we can definitely take that from these verses. To encourage us. To encourage us when we live amongst uh, difficult in a difficult place. In a difficult situation. When maybe there are those who persecute us. We can know that there is a reward coming. And it is all to do with Christ. And it is just for us. So, Pergamos, that's Pergamos. It was the um, compromised church. But then we have Thyatira, and that was the corrupted church. Thyatira, again, we, we don't know very much about it at all. It was the place, though, where Lydia was from. That means anything. But it was uh, that place, and it says here, These things saith the Son of God who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. So again, we, are, uh, we begin by thinking about the character of Christ. And here, and for the only time in, in, in this book, there is this title of Christ, the Son of God, the Son of God. And they say that, that Thyatira had a temple that was to Apollos. And Apollos is the sun god. And so to the place where the believers are, where there is the temple to the sun god, writes Christ the son of God. And it says that he has, uh, it says, With eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. This speaks of judgment, doesn't it? Eyes like a flame of fire. Fire speaks of, speaks of judgment. The eyes, uh, I think, is the idea that Christ knows. And we'll see that later on. Christ knows. Christ can see. Uh, there is nothing that goes without his knowledge. And nothing that happens. He is able to see. And then his feet are like fine brass. Brass speaks of the brazen altar. And, and it speaks of you know, the fire consuming the sin offering. So we have here this uh, picture of the Son of God coming in judgment. The Son of God coming in in judgment. Why? Why? Well, we're going to find out uh, in a moment. But let's first look at the commendation of this church. <coughs> Excuse me. I know thy works, verse 19. And love and service and faith and thy patience and thy works in the last to be more than the first. You know this was a church that were busy. Uh, and they weren't just a busy church with dead religion. But they were commended for not only their works, uh, but they were commended for their love, and their service, and their faith, and their endurance. And then it says, and your works, which were greater at the end than they were at the start. That is that their their works were were getting greater. Maybe they were doing it uh, more fervently for the Lord. And maybe they were doing more for Him. Uh, Maybe they were doing it with a better heart. Uh, and, and so it says here that their works were more than the last were more than the first. And so this was a church that were to be commended. They were to be, t- to be commended uh, for that. But then we see the criticism. And verse 20 uh, speaks of this woman Jezebel. And this woman Jezebel reminds us uh, of, of, in First Kings... Uh, chapter 16 through 19, we see this woman, Jezebel. She was a wicked woman, a woman that led the, the nation of Israel into, into idolatry. And I don't think so much that I don't think so much that the woman maybe had the name Jezebel, but it seems to be this wo- there is a woman there, a woman in the church. She calls herself a prophetess and she behaved like Jezebel. She taught, uh, she, she 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 seduced uh, those who who, uh, who who taught the servants of God to commit fornication to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And so there is going to be a judgment that is going to come, and and and, and the Son of God who comes and sees and uh, and His feet like fine brass is going to come and to judge uh, th- these people. He's going to judge Jezebel. I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. You know, Even a woman like this, of all that she did, it speaks of the character of God that he gave her an opportunity to repent. That she did not repent. And so she was going to be cast into a bed and those who commit adultery with her, who, 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 who are led into this fornication and this sacrificing to idols... They're going to be pulled together and they're going to face great persecution. And and God is going to come, Christ is going to come, verse 23, and kill her children. Kill kill those who follow her teaching. Those who are her spiritual children, to use that phrase. Those who have followed on in her teaching. The judgment is going to come. And then it says in verse 23, uh, uh, and all the churches, all the churches, Shall know that I am He, which searches the minds and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. You see here, just as we pass as a note, uh, we see this is to all the churches. It reminds us as these letter, as this letter, you know, revelation is passed around. Each church would have been reading these things and learning from these things. Um, but yes, yeah, so we see here that that, that Christ is going to come. And he's going to judge, not judging on on speculation, not judging on on hearsay, but he's going to judge because he searches the minds and the hearts. He knows the motives, he knows the, the 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 hearts of of each one in that assembly. And Christ is going to come and to judge accordingly. You know, sometimes we 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 might find it difficult when someone seems to be, you know, achieving so much, and they seem to be. Um, gaining so much from this world and we, we maybe see that they, they are living a, a, you know, um, a sinful life. Or they, we see that they're doing it for you know, uh, in, in wrong, achieving things in wrong ways. They are cheating or they are doing whatever. Uh, and we might wonder and we think, you know, will they ever face justice? And yet here it says, I am he which searches the minds and hearts. Christ knows the motive. Christ knows uh, the the true motive and the true heart behind everyone and every action that is done. And so we needn't worry. Uh, If someone looks to be getting ahead, we trust Christ to judge righteously, to judge uh, fairly. You know, maybe we look to ourselves as well and we can have some encouragement. You know, we think maybe that people don't notice what we do. Uh, You know, no one notices the things I do for the Lord, and we can get ourselves down. And I am the only person that thinks like this. Why can't more people think like me? And uh, and we trust uh, that the Lord is going to reward us for what He for if we have the right motive. He knows our hearts, and it doesn't matter what people might say about us. It doesn't matter whether people would speak against us if we are doing things for the right motive. We trust that the Lord sees. He knows, and He will give according to. Uh, our works, uh, and so uh, there is this uh, criticism of the church. You might remember in Ephesus, uh, they were the church that were very good at being discerning. Yeah, they were very discerning. Uh, verse two of the chapter of chapter two says uh, that they tried. Um, it says there they can't they can't bear them that, which are evil, they have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. Yeah, so they were very a very discerning church, uh, and yet they had left their first love. Yeah, they were all about being right, uh, but they had no compassion. They had no love. Now in Thyatira we have we have the complete opposite. We have those who are marked by their works and their love. And yet they aren't discerning. Yeah, they have allowed this woman Jezebel to come in. And they have allowed her to, to wreak havoc in the assembly. Uh, and we have two extremes here and, and, and both are rebuked. And we need to make sure that we don't find ourselves at either of these two extremes. That we're not only about getting it right uh, at the expense of compassion and love. Or that we aren't only about love at the expense of, of being discerning. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not okay, as this, as this assembly found it, to say, to, you know, oh, well, love's going to look over those things, and, and we'll just all be one, and we'll all just work together. We need to be discerning, and we need to discern what is right. We need to be like Ephesus in that sense. We need to discern, and we need to remove uh, the false teaching, uh, ways of, 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 of sin, uh, influences of sin, uh, from our assembly. Uh, That that we might not only be a loving assembly, but that we might be a discerning assembly. You know, sometimes we are more concerned about people's craft uh, than we are people's character. You know, we're more concerned about how good people can do something than than, than whether their lives live up to, to that. Jezebel was a prophetess. You know, she was a teacher of God's word. Uh, she spoke on behalf of God supposedly uh, and and yet maybe she was maybe she was a good teacher maybe she was funny uh, maybe she finished on time which is looking unlikely tonight and and yet they had let her in and they weren't discerning of her character you know we, we had a landscaper a couple of years ago came to the house and, and he um, he was an interesting guy he, he did a good job uh, he did more than than was expected I was happy with the quality of work I paid him and we went our separate ways. Not that He's not on that, he's not online tonight. Not not you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say I would like to be friends with him. He wasn't maybe the nicest of guys in my opinion. But he did a good work. His craft was good. He was a good landscaper. You know, sometimes we can come to God's word, uh, sorry, God's God's service, and, and act like that, can't we? We can make excuses for people's character because they're good at what they do. Uh, we need to be careful that that we that we that we we should elevate far higher, in my opinion, um, the the how uh, the, the level the expectation of our character in our own lives and in others. Not look to people's craft and say, well, they're quite good. Uh, doing that they're, they're, they're good at uh, whatever ministry they're involved in uh, uh, when their character doesn't line up uh, Jezebel she might have been a great teacher maybe she maybe she was a great teacher maybe she was able to get people on side she seems to be like that and yet her character was was that that it just caused havoc in the assembly uh, and so they are they, they, they weren't discerning they weren't discerning. Ephesians chapter four says, "Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love." And so, what we learn from Ephesus and Thyatira is we need to have both. We need to have truth, and we need to have love. And so, this um, assembly—they uh, are not called to repent instantly, but those who are, are these false, you know, those who have followed this this kind of false um, prophetess are called to repent. But it says there in verse. Twenty-four and verse twenty-five. But unto you I say, unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan. I will put none. Uh, I put upon you none other burden, but that which you have. Hold fast till I come. They are told to hold fast. You know, and that is uh, what the assembly in uh, in Pergamos were commended for, holding fast. And here, in amongst this, uh, this this assembly, with this false teaching, with fornication, all that is going wrong, they are told to hold fast. Sometimes it feels like uh, things, you know, how are things going to go on? And, and we might struggle with things in, in, in our lives from time to time, in the assembly, or in our homes, and things are difficult. Uh, and, and the Christian should be one who is marked by holding Fast, Holding fast. In 2 Timothy it says, Hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me. And faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Hold fast to God's word. First Thessalonians says, Prove all things. Yeah, be discerning. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. You know, the teaching that is good. The, the God's word that is faithfully preached. Hold fast to it. That you, that you know and you understand, hold fast, hold fast. In Ephesians, uh, sorry, Hebrews, uh, chapter ten, verse twenty-three says, "Let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful that promise." We need to hold fast. You know, sometimes uh, it is about just holding fast, keeping going, keeping uh, in Christ, and holding fast. Christ says, "Hold fast till I come." Till I come. This speaks of Christ's rapture, about him coming again and and when times are hard, when times are difficult. We need to hold fast because he is coming. He is returning. He is going to release us. He is going to save us from all of this. We need to hold fast. It it says there at the end I will give him the morning star. To him that overcomes, I will give him the morning star. Star. This morning star speaks of Christ. It speaks of how uh, Christ is, is the morning star. And uh, interestingly, Balaam prophesies about the star of Jacob, uh, the star that was to come. And it was going to smite, it was going to judge, it was going to destroy uh, those enemies of, 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 of God's people. And this morning star speaks of Christ. We'll see the morning star in Revelation 22, God willing. When It says there that Jesus, uh, I Jesus have sent, it says, mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. You see, the reward for these, for these saints here, it wasn't just to to reign with Christ. Verse 27 speaks of that. Uh, 20, 26 and twenty seven to, to, to give him power over the nations to rule the rod of iron with a rod of iron. It wasn't just that they were going to receive this reward, but the reward was all tied up in the Lord Jesus Christ and I will give him the morning star. You know there is an I, there is a, a a sense in which yes we have the Spirit within us, but there is coming a day when Christ will return. And to him who overcomes, to the true believer, they will receive, a more, in a more full sense, Christ. And, and the reward that we have is all tied up in him. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, For unto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. There is a light that shines. And it shines in a dark place and and we are in a dark place and we are our light is shining and we have this light, we have this uh, this understanding, we have the our salvation, and yet in a more full sense, there is coming a day when the day dawns, and we will receive Christ in a more full sense we will experience maybe I should say, in a more full sense. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and it says here I will give him the morning star to both these assemblies they are told one is holding fast one is exhorted to hold fast Christ is coming soon and so we should likewise hold fast let's pray our God and our father we give you thanks this evening that we can be encouraged and challenged by your word father pray that we might hold fast to the things that we've been taught might hold fast to our faith father we pray that this might give us the help uh, the encouragement as we live in a world that hates you Uh, but father we pray that we might live uh, for a reward that is coming to us in heaven but we we think of how it is all tied up in in your son and we give you thanks for him this evening and uh, we pray uh, that you might just bless us as we think about these things, Father, I give you thanks for uh, the refreshments which you have prepared, uh, that have been prepared for us, Father. We, we acknowledge that they, they come from you and we give you thanks for your goodness to us and pray that you will bless them to us, Father. We give you thanks for these things and pray for them in your son's precious name. Amen.